Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is He Shoots, He Draws, as the intro says every week, and each week I repeat it again at the <laughs> beginning, but we have to do this because we're a podcast. Um, it's me, Dave Clayton, the draws bit. And the shooty bit that's is me. him over there. Yeah, that's me, Glyn Jewis. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, if you join us each week, thank you. And if you don't, we're a weekly photography podcast, but we also talk about design and business and creativity and, and the bits that fall in the gaps because we find each week we talk to such interesting people that things kind of evolve from those chats and... And, the, and there's up. sometimes little gripes that we want to get off our chest. Yeah, yeah. So. We, we can be a bit ranty sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're on uh, episode 63, so uh, the numbers are still creeping up. I was looking today, I think we're shy off a... a, a uh, we're getting, we're a getting to another landmark, but let's yeah, not get we carried are. away. Let's no, not get let's, carried away. let's not go down there. Um, <laughs> we're also another week closer to uh, the show that we're partnered with, which is the photography show at the NEC in Birmingham, March the 16th to the 19th. Uh, if you are going, we look forward to seeing you. If you haven't got your ticket yet, if you use the code HSHD. TPS19, you'll get 20% off your ticket, but get it before the show. It won't apply on the day. Um, but Glyn and I are going to be there. I'm running the live stage and the video and editing suite with, um, we've got a team this year, and you are going to be teaching. Yeah, I'm on the live stage, uh, the editing suite, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, I know I'm doing some stuff with BenQ, Colour Confidence, but I'm also going to be on the Westcott stand as well. So they've got a really nice stand showing all the stuff. And I'm going to be able to show my vintage grey canvas by Glyn Dewis. I'll be able to show that. Nice. But just quickly on the subject of uh, Westcott, uh, I had an email off Brandon. They've actually set up a code, which is just simply Glyn20. That's Glyn20. And that's valid until the 22nd of March. It'll give people 20% off their order total off the Westcott website. So if you're in the US or whatever, then that's you know great. If you're in the UK then that could be used to get off the price of getting the stuff shipped over for now until it's available yeah. uh, here in the UK. But uh, I know when I get stuff sent over, it arrives like within a week. It is crazy, crazy fast. Yeah, they are good. I know you went over there and saw their factory and said it was just incredible. But also, and just to make sure, so we don't get any emails or comments saying the code doesn't work, that's Glyn, G-L-Y-N, not <laughs> Glenn, G-L-E-N. It is not Glenn. It is Glyn, G-L-Y-N, 20. Yeah, good point. Let's just make that clear because I don't want my code doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. The clue's in the name of the podcast. <laughs> um, but also, following on from that, I was, I had, I, knew, I mean, I knew I was doing it and I have mentioned it, but this week they announced um, that I will be joining you at the Professional Imaging Show in the Netherlands as a, my first speaking gig there. I cannot I really wait. You are, I know you've not been there. I've been there now. The thing is, this is my fourth time being invited to speak there which wow. I am, I absolutely love this show. I mean, there's so many other kind of events all around the world, but this one in particular, because of the size of it, um, it's just, it's got a real family feel. You are going to love it. You're really going to love it. Be able to see some real great friends out there. Uh, Adrian Sommerling, Git Langerlen. Uh, there's some real good people you've been able to hang oh. out with. I can't wait. I say this people, these people I've not met. I know, you're going to love it, mate. You've you met really them will. all, so it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So I'm doing a class called... Um, why a graphic designer is a photographer's best friend and what are you teaching uh, i'm doing a thing to show kind of what i'm doing at the photography show where i'm going to go through showing people how i'm doing my veterans portrait so it's kind of setting up a classic lighting setup 
in a yeah. small space, but also how you can use uh, modern day technology to ensure that you get a real proper, not a fake, but a proper mm. emotion and expression in a person. There's lots to it. Uh, the model that Annevik Dorhoff has arranged for me, oh my God, he looks amazing. I cannot wait to photograph this guy. It's not so. me, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but speaking of modelling, the, there was a Clayton in the modelling seat in this past week, I do believe. Yes, I, I paid your good mother a visit and I had an absolutely superb time with her, mate. Really lovely. Good old catch-up. Um, and she was more than willing to be photographed and she nailed it. She was brilliant. She was such she good did. fun. Uh, and I left with a big slab of bread pudding, which lasted know, all of makes... a few hours. Yeah, she, my mum makes the best bread pudding. It's like, it's density, it's it, it like, it, it belies any science. It, it, you look at it, pick it up, it's so heavy. I was really nervous because she said when I walked in, she was doing some cooking and she'd made some bread pudding because she was going to see your brother Alan, who's in, yeah. you know, in the band. And uh, before I was leaving, she said, oh, do you want some bread pudding? And I was thinking... Uh, that's Alan's. I can't. I can't have any of that. It's Alan's. She goes, no, no, he won't eat all of it. I says, no, please, can you check with him? It's okay to have some of Alan's bread pudding. <laughs> and then the Alan commented because I'd said something about it on Facebook, and he's put, "I hope you saved me a corner piece." I'm thinking, oh, yeah. God, I had a corner piece. Oh no, <laughs> I know it's, it's immense, immense. Yeah, but um, no, it's a lovely photo you did, mate. Thank and you. I love the evolution of the laugh that you did. I don't know if you go and follow Glenn. Uh, Glenn. Oh, what you call me Glenn? Glenn then? I could you, Glenn? Yeah. I'm out there. I need water. Because <laughs> I was saying it. Go and follow Glynn's social media and you'll see the pictures of my mum where she's goes through. It's three photographs and it's like the evolution of the smile. But yes, yeah, it was lovely because such a nice photograph of her. But um, that's enough about the Claytons. It's not about us. This podcast is about other people, mate. Mm-hmm. So tell us, this week is a very relevant episode to anyone who's been following you and listening to our previous episodes, yeah. p- particularly more since Christmas. But, um, well, in fact, before Christmas, yeah, go back and listen. But, yeah, I'll, I'm going to hand it over to you, and okay. then we're going to go straight into the episode. All right, cool. So this episode is a bit different to any other one, really. This is with a guy uh, who I met for the first time the other day, a guy called Danny Greeno. And Danny is the CEO of The Veterans Charity. So The Veterans Charity is a charity based in the UK that help uh, veterans of all ages in immediate need and it's the charity that when I raised all that money or rather set up all that money to be raised for the 4-1 Commando Ted Owens who was in D-Day we raised all that money together £17,001 before you take out GoFundMe's uh, fees it was agreed with everybody which was brilliant that the money should go 50-50 half go to Ted so that he can get his electric scooters and everything else he needs to set up his life and and just uh, just make life easier for him, more mobility yeah, and so on. Now, the other half, which I thought was brilliant, that everyone agreed could go to the veterans' charity because then it's not just going to help one veteran, it's going to help many, many others. Now, why would I choose the veterans' charity over any other? Well, that's what Danny explains in the actual episode. But the bottom line is is that they, they are doing so much good stuff and for the right reasons. And... They don't. Obviously, every every charity has got admin fees of some description. Yeah, of course they have. However, it is scary when you really do dig into it. Some of the big name charities, and you find out how much of your donation actually goes to where you want it to go to. Now, I know hand on heart because I've seen this now for real. Is that the veterans charity? A small percentage of the money will be up on admin fees, but they are absolutely bang on. And what I love about them is. 
And they, really, when you think about why they exist, they shouldn't have to exist. But when I sat with Danny and we did this interview to sort of get the the whole workings of the charity, he gave us examples of some of the cases he's involved in. And he also went into detail explaining how this money is going to help. But he kind of explained some cases when we were talking about a veteran, a young veteran who had been in contact the week before who hadn't eaten for three days. And I'm like, what? This is 2019. What the yeah. hell is going on? But when Danny explained what he means by this, their charity being immediate, uh, helping veterans in immediate need, mate, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So it really gives you a really warm feeling to know the amount of money that we all raised that they got, which was £8,141.59p. When you think that the average spend in 2018 to help a veteran in immediate need yeah. was £106. Because once they've had that immediate help, then they can get referred to other places. But immediate he- immediate need, £106. They've just been given over £8,000, thanks to everyone that donated. So can you just imagine how many people that's going to help? Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And, and also, they can't even budget for that because, you know, being a charity relying on donations, they didn't know this was coming. No, that's in right. In fact, we, you, know, you didn't know you were going to raise that much money. So it's so cool that they can actually have that money as a, a buffer to look at helping people without the because it must be hard for them to want to help someone and can't whereas now oh, yeah at least this and and any other donations they get are helping them in that instant decision yes we can help you and here here we go yeah they, they, they do so so much and it was just lovely to hear that because you know we've all donated to charities i know you have that but it kind of goes into a hole that you think well i hope it's gone where i want it to you never get to know about it but you know with the veterans charity it will so i will be they will always be my number one charity that i support they're just absolutely yeah. brilliant but you're going to get a lot from this one I, I urge everybody to have a listen to this because not only does danny talk about the charity it talks about veterans and the kind of things that they're facing but he also, and I'm rec- I reckon we've got some pretty fit listeners out there, he mentions yeah. about an event called Run to Pegasus, which is uh, being held on the lead up to and on the anniversary, the 75th anniversary of D-Day. And if any of you out there that are fit and think you can get involved in it, have a listen to what this actual event is, and Danny explains how you can get involved. Yeah, and also something you shared this week on social media that I do urge people to go and look, So I have to say... I saw it today and I had to go and wipe my sweaty eye. <laughs> it was the guy, Tony, that's been nurse, uh, looking after that uh, memorial for the plane that oh, came down. Oh, yeah. Um, Tony Folds, yeah. Sh- yeah. Yeah, up in Sheffield. And he's, you know, ever since that day, he was an eight-year-old kid and the pilot was waving to him and actually waving to him to get out of the way because they knew the plane was going down. And he was eight years old. He waved back. He didn't realise. And, and the pilot managed to put the plane down in the trees and... I think it's since the 60s, isn't it? He's He's been going yeah, back. Yeah, I know he says he's been looking after it for about 66 years, something like that. He's yeah. been actually looking after it. So, And uh, was it Dan Walker picked up on it? That's right, and, yeah. uh, and then they did a flyover, and it was just, oh, I, I, I was welling up. I wiped my eyes, and then there was another bit. Yeah. And then he lost it, and it was just, oh, what an amazing. That's. I think that's the thing that I've definitely, I'm not even going to say learned or picked up because it's always it's always been in me but I think it gives you a real appreciation for some of the more important things in life and when you think of some of the things we gripe and moan about and then you hear some of these stories and and think what you know what these people did when they were 17 18 19 crazy and and things happen so yeah try and watch that give us a listen but Glenn I think we need to go into the episode there's enough of us 
Let's just dive into it in the usual way with Go on. Danny. Who are you? Uh, I'm Danny Greeno. I'm the chief executive of the Veterans Charity. Cool. Well, that's nice and brief. <laughs> yeah. Nothing more to say, really. <laughs> All right. Okay. So while we are, well, we're basically in this very elaborate sound booth, which is the Veterans Charity's official vehicle. Yes. Um, uh, and the reason we're together is I thought it'd be a good idea that uh, you and me get together to basically talk about the Veterans Charity, because those who listen to the podcast, those who maybe follow me, will know that there's been that recent campaign that I've raised money for um, the former four one Commando Ted Owens. And it was agreed by everybody that also donated to say that half goes to Ted, half goes to the charity. And it was the Veterans Charity. And I want to kind of chat with you, Danny, just to kind of give people an overview of what the Veterans Charity is, what makes it different to every other charity. You know, why would I choose you as opposed to anybody else? And then maybe some other cases. So so what what is the Veterans Charity? Well, it it has been formed over a number of years, I guess, uh, through learning. So from meeting hundreds and hundreds of veterans over the years at different events and that kind of thing. Um, and before the charity began, I, I you know, was lucky enough to know a lot of Second World War veterans and, uh, and their relatives who naturally were people who served in the armed forces themselves. So it was, I was getting a lot of information about different generations of veterans and then the rest of our sort of team as the charity formed. And through discovering the needs of veterans and the problems that were in the society generally uh, for ex-armed forces personnel and some of the issues that they face, we discovered that actually there is there was a big problem in that if veterans needed, if you needed something fairly big, if you needed house adaptations or if you, you, know, you, need, you needed a fairly sort of big long-term support, you could get it. It took time, uh, and naturally something like that does take time, but you could get it. But we kept meeting veteran after veteran after veteran who had very simple, very modest needs, mm. but very urgent needs. You know, things like food, uh, food shopping provisions, or they may have needed a new coat for the winter. And, you know, these were people who quite often through no fault of their own, through injury, be it mental uh, and or physical, um, and just the general hardships of life and problems that we all encounter were struggling and if you needed that kind of fairly modest thing it seemed to be taking six eight ten twelve weeks well do you know what it's funny you should say that because i i've owned this is the first ever time i've got involved in raising money for pretty much anything apart from when i was at school right. raising money because i made some fairy cakes or something silly like that yeah, yeah but as an adult this is the only kind of fundraising i've ever been involved in but what I have found, because I thought it'd be such a simple process, raise this money for Ted, go and get himself um, some stuff sorted. But yeah. the, what really surprised me was the amount of red tape and form filling yes. and all that kind yeah. of stuff that needs to go into something. Because I wanted to get, and I used Ted as the example, because obviously that's how this all started, was I wanted to get him this scooter. And it's a case of, right, well, you can't just go and get him a scooter. You need to do this. You need to fill this form and then send that off and so on and so on and so yeah, on. Yeah. But that's not, I guess that's not what the Veterans Charity deal with. But it's immediate, kind of immediate stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's kind of everything we're against. I mean, we, you know, we have an awful lot of paperwork. We have a lot of regulatory stuff that we have to do and, and rightly so. But our focus has always been not passing that on to the end user, to our beneficiary, because the vast majority are already facing a lot of issues and, you know, hardship, a lot of distress is caused by being in hardship. You know, all of us have have financial issues Mm. at times and we've all been through, you know, difficult situations in life. 
And the last thing you want when you're trying to solve very big problems, you know, if you haven't got food mm. and you haven't got any money coming in your way in the next two, three, four, six, seven weeks, whatever it might be, that is an unbelievably distressing situation to be in. So when you're trying to solve that, the last thing you need is form after form after form, paperwork and hoops to jump through. So we keep that to an absolute minimum and it enables us to work very, very quickly. And we've become known over the last few years as the rapid reaction force of military charities because we are we're getting stuff out to end users so quickly and with with minimum hassle for them but also for caseworkers at other charities so we work very very closely with loads of different charities many of them far far bigger than us Mm. um because you know we can hugely complement what they're doing so for example the royal british legion and and safa and those kind of people they do a lot of long-term support and they do you know their support is very varied Mm. but they have lots of processes and they have a lot of things to do with with uh, each individual case and if we can get the immediate needs sorted, so that's kind of what we call what we do, it's immediate needs support. Mm. If we sort out the veterans' immediate needs, so food shopping, clothing, it might be a, a single appliance or you know whatever it might be, we can sort that out. That means they're squared away for the next two, three weeks. Well, that's pretty much life, life-changing stuff, though, isn't well, it? it? Yes, it kind of is, and it enables, it buys time mm. for the wheels to be set in motion for longer term and additional support so you know sadly we're dealing with many who have physical and and health uh, mental health problems that need you know considerable support and that's not something we do it's not something we have the resources to do so we'll step in and do the immediate bit kind of first port of call allowing others to get things in in place so it's a much smoother trans transformation if you like a smoother pathway and these these aren't veterans who are necessarily world war ii veterans these are veterans modern day going through to the you know we very rarely deal with second world war veterans these days you know a few years ago we did but obviously they're getting older and and sadly fewer but We've seen the average age of, of our beneficiaries drop massively, probably over the last seven years, I suppose, seven or eight years, um, because of just various problems. I think the the armed forces has changed dramatically. Society is changing, people's finances, and you know, there's there's a lot of things going on. So the l- average length of time that someone has served for is is dropping. Mm. Um, so, you know, we quite often now are, are dealing with people as young as 20. Um, I think the youngest we've ever dealt with was 17. The oldest, probably 96. But mm. the average age now is, is more likely mid-40s to 50, I should think. Now, now when it comes to the um, the immediate needs stuff, obviously the reason we're sat here is because, like I said at the start, that we've made the donation to the Veterans Charity. And that is... That is purely something that, I mean, I set it up, but it's all thanks to everybody out there. And it literally was, from all corners of the globe, people donating money that we were able to raise as much as we did. So when we look at the half has gone to help Ted with what he needs, and that was the things like the scooters, the hearing aids, and so on and so forth. But the money that's been given to the the charity, your charity, what... I want people to know what what is that going to do because I know so many times when people I know for myself when I've given money before not to your charity but to other charities you kind of give it with the best intentions and the hopes that it's going to help somebody but you never yes, get to course. know about it you don't really know where it's gone and what it's yeah. been used for yeah so from the veterans charity point of view the money that's gone to you which is just over eight thousand which is a huge massive thanks to everybody out there that's donated mm-hmm. 
Can you give us like an idea of how that's going to be able to help people? Yeah, I mean, it's so the things that we uh, focus on is, is immediate needs provision. So it's food shopping, uh, it's clothing, um, household items, and we also occasionally do uh, smartphones for people who, you know, they can be very isolated, particularly if you've got physical and mental health issues. It's very easy to become isolated from friends and family mm. and society. So a smartphone these days can enable communication on so many levels so we do those as well um so they are they are by and large they're fairly modest provisions in the scheme of things um you know we're not we don't do cars and holidays and houses and that kind of thing although you've had a mass for before <laughs> uh we get the occasional one yeah absolutely yeah. but um uh, but maybe, this is, maybe there's that, a don't ask don't get uh, thing yeah, yeah, there, but, 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 yeah. but i'll say that in jest <laughs> however what that shows is because we were chatting about this in in dotty's cafe because we just come from there which by the way is yeah. a superb place to go it was wasn't it the best Lovely. fish finger sandwich i've had this week <laughs> for sure um but when we were chatting there, you were talking about, yeah, you do get sometimes, as with anything, you're always going to get somebody who kind of like pushes the boundaries of what they can ask for. But you do the due diligence, you you check into it. And so you make sure that the money is used correctly. Yeah. And I, you know, as I said to you uh, in the, the cafe when we were chatting, that we do get the odd request. And when you first get the request in, you look at it and think, well, that's a bit. That's a bit much. You're asking for a car or a holiday or, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, there aren't there are charities that do respite breaks and stuff mm. for people who are, who are distressed. And, you know, and rightly so. Uh, we don't do it because others do. There's mm. no point in having a charity doing yeah, what yeah. everyone else yeah. is doing. It's, that's, you know, not the most sort of sensible use of uh, resources. But as I said to you, quite often a request like that is masking something else. They're reaching out. And the veterans, by and large, are hugely proud people, and rightly so. Absolutely, they should be hugely proud of their service. But they are proud, proud, and, and that pride can be a hurdle. It can prop them up, and it gives them strength and character. Um, but as much as it can be useful, it can also be harmful because it prevents them. And, you know, frequently we are dealing with people who haven't eaten for three or four days. That's crazy. I mean, nowadays, with 2019... That is know, crazy to think it, that. It is. It's, it is mad. But it's quite often, you know, the benefit system, they may have lost a job, they may have a, you know, a, a, an unexpected financial cost. There's, there's lots of things that can cause these problems. Um, but they're exacerbated by perhaps their mental state at the time. Mm. Uh, if they've got physical injuries, getting out to get support and deal with things isn't as easy. There's potentially a lack of knowledge as well. You know, stuff that service personnel are trained very, very highly and quite often uniquely to do a specific role. So whilst they're very highly skilled, they're not often very broadly educated in terms of, of civvy street. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for people like you and I, we've learned from parents and peers and that kind of thing and generally making mistakes, but getting away with it because we have a support network. Mm-hmm. But someone who may have joined the military at 16 and he's, you know, done 20 odd years, Put them in Civvy Street, that's one hell of a daunting place. Yeah, yeah. Because the mistakes, and I've, I've often said this to people, if I was put into the on the front line now, so put in the infantry, given a weapon and a helmet and a bulletproof vest, and someone said, right, crack on, there's your body armour, good luck, I'm not going to last very long. I'm really not. The risks, I might end up getting people around me killed, probably get myself killed, serious injury or mess up a, you know, an operation. Yeah. Um but the risks of somebody making a mistake in Civvy Street are almost endless. 
And the repercussions of that can last decades, can last a lifetime sometimes with particularly financial errors. And, you know, there's a bit of a lack of knowledge. So there's a lot of issues out there. But whenever someone makes a request and it's something the immediate reaction is, well, actually, that's not what we do. And, you know, you mm. might think well, you're taking the mick a little bit here. There's usually an underlying issue. So, we'll, you know, we'll often talk to them and say, well, okay, why do you think you need this? Or why why have you not been able to afford it yourself? And they may have debts or they may, you know, there may be other problems. Mm. So we can always signpost and advise them and, and try and get them some help in that respect. Sometimes it could be that council tax or a bill like that is a, is a, a common one. You know, they're getting chased for that. Mm. Um, and that causes distress. Of course, debt is, is the biggest source of stress, really. Um but by us stepping in and saying, well, look, we're going to take care of food shopping for the next couple of weeks. That's going to save you that money. It's going to relieve you, give you that breathing space. You can then use your next bit of income to pay that bill. So relax. Don't get stressed. You must about almost it. feel that relief that comes out from them just, just to know that's sorted. Yeah, so some of them are, yeah, massively emotional. It's, you know, you, it's quite... Um, it's heartbreaking at times because, you, you know, we are coming across people who are just in such states of distress because they don't know what else to do they don't know where to turn sometimes mm. uh thank god they find out about the veterans charity they come to us and you know we manage to get something sorted for them and we'll always try to signpost and help them find mm. additional support longer term so that because if you give short-term support they often fall back again you've got to try to solve as many problems as you can for them without doing it all for them they've got to do stuff mm. themselves they've got to learn from it sort of thing but yeah, yeah. um but yeah that you know the money that's been donated is going to enable us to you know it can help us make a massive difference to not one or two veterans but dozens mm. because of you know food shopping even if we've got a someone with three or four kids which we get fairly regularly you know a, a decent food shops quite a lot of money mm. you know we might spend 150 160 quid on that um but that will it doesn't it's not just putting food in the cupboards or the fridge or freezer it's a lot more to it because what i've discovered over the years that perhaps we didn't appreciate at first was when someone reaches out for help they've gone through a hell of a journey just to get to that point they have more than likely, it could even have been years of battling and battling and battling and doing it very quietly, as, as you said to me uh, a short while ago about a lot of Second World War veterans just didn't discuss yeah, yeah. what they've been through, and they don't. Um, and that's the same for most veterans. A lot of them, you know, pride gets in the way. They don't talk openly about stuff. There are some things inevitably they feel they can't talk about, and you know, fair enough. But for them to get to the point of asking for help, they have been through a hell of a journey. They really have. So... It's the act of somebody saying, yes, we're going to sort you out. Don't worry, we're going to do this for you. It's not necessarily what we're doing for them. It's the fact that someone said, yes, you're worthy. Yes, you deserve help. Yes, you're not on your own. Mm. We've got your back. Don't worry. And we regularly see a massive change in in their outlook. And we see their life starting to just piece together a little bit better because their outlook's changed. Well, just just the way they explain that then, I've not thought of this before, but you say like, we've got your back, we're here for you, we'll support you. That's the kind of life they would have been used to whilst they were serving in the military. Yeah, very much Having so. Having that support yeah. there. And then yeah, to come yeah. to Civvy Street to not have it, yeah. you can see all those things that would contribute to make life very difficult anyway in Civvy Street, can't you? It, this is the problem. When you, you know... From what I know, when people are served, they've you've got married quarters, you've got single quarters, you've you know you've got accommodation, you've got a great network around you, you've got this phenomenal training. You know, the British Armed Forces, the training is the best there is 
in whatever trade they're, they're specialising in, whatever they're doing. Um, and you've got this massive support network. The day you leave, that stops. Mm. Boom, done. Curtain comes down. It's literally, it's you know, it is changing. It is improving. But generally speaking, for the majority, that's that. Mm. Game over, done. Best of luck, you're on your own. And this whole transition thing and the resettlement process for many, many years was woefully inadequate. And I know people who did 20 years, went for the resettlement interview with a higher rank, kind of handed their cards in sort of thing and was, was asked, you know, what are you going to do now? Well, I don't know, sir, but I'll you know, sort myself out and I'll go and do this and you know, move in with my, with my missus. She rents a place. So I'll be all right, sir. Okay, well, well done, mate. All the best. Bye. Mm. That's it. And, you know, I've genuinely spoken to a lot of people who've been through that. Um how on earth are you meant to cope in this big, wide, pretty scary world with mm. God knows what pitfalls and problems? And it's not its not just about employment. It's not about getting just a job. It's, you know, if you've got, say, ex-infantry, yes, scary job and the role they've done, you know, some of them have been faced with the most unbelievable things, but they've also been faced with a, an absolutely adrenaline packed life at times when they're on tour or exercise and that kind of thing and they're used to living a certain way civvy street is quite different and it takes one hell of a job to match up to that which is why there's a lot of ex-forces who are police officers fire service paramedics you know challenging mm. and uh, and difficult jobs that have a, a similar kind of ethos and the camaraderie um but yeah civvy street is a daunting place so if they have to go through such a difficult time to get to the point where they feel they can ask for help sometimes it's even in desperation they just don't know what else to do we've seen an awful rise in statistics of veteran suicides and things like that um you know no not really any greater than any other sector of society but even so it's the reasons that they're doing it they are preventable um so you know by us reacting quickly we know what that does so when we get a donation of eight odd thousand pounds and you know we might spend an average of say a hundred pound on a food shop or clothing we always do brand new clothing we never do second hand we we get loads of very generous people offering to give us second hand stuff but we don't take it because a we've got nowhere to store it mm. b we've then got to deliver it to people or post it that costs money but actually the act of giving somebody something that's brand new and i mentioned to you about uh, some of these housing places that we deal with where people have come off the streets they've they come off the streets with nothing but the clothes on their back so they own nothing to give them something that's brand new we all get a, a kick out of having yeah, brand yeah. new clothing yeah. it makes you feel better that little morale boost sets them up a bit and you know we can do sort of work clothing and, and interview clothing so if someone's gone far enough and had to do a lot of work to get to a point where they're mm. ready to go for job interviews and, and really get life back on track then that's the least they deserve but, but again we're not spending fortunes on that stuff well, so what, the donation's going to make an enormous difference. Superb. Well, without without giving names, because obviously that wouldn't be the right thing to do. What if I said to you, can you think off the, off the top of your head? Can you th- in the time that you've been doing this charity, mm. can you think of a particular case that's really one that kind of you don't tend to forget, one that kind of really does remind you of why you're doing what you're doing? Yeah. Well, there's, there's unfortunately, sadly, there are many. Really, um, I would say. Nearly every day we're dealing with people who, are, you know, have been at the lowest ebb of life in a way. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, there's a few. I mean, one uh, fairly recently 
was a, a veteran who had at one point pretty much everything that they'd wanted in life. So they'd had a, a pretty decent military career, not a, a high rank as such, but they'd had a very fulfilling career, mm-hmm. picked up some great skills and that sort of thing, and that's led to good employment afterwards, um, as a lot of uh, a lot of sort of military trades do. They can lead to you know great employment with the skills, and uh, had uh, a marriage and kids and house and you know everything, great, and life was sort of ticking along fine really didn't want for anything, weren't going without anything. And I've come across cases where this happens, and it happens very quickly, sadly, but one thing triggers another and another and another, and their life just starts to unravel rapidly. And unfortunately, um, economic problems occurred with their company that they worked for. They didn't know this at the time, but eventually it led to redundancy. The redundancy money didn't go too far, um, and that sort of ran out. They then struggled to find work. The stress of that led to kind of a decline in mental health. That then triggered a decline in the marriage and so on and so on. And within a space of about a year, literally everything they had was gone. Just fell apart. Mm. Um, And unfortunately ended up homeless, had nothing. And was picked up by one of these uh, housing places that we deal with. And, you know, some of them are absolutely fantastic. There's a a few, but... um, uh, they, uh, you know, offer them safe refuge, a place that they could kind of call their own, great support network around them. But when uh, this veteran turned up there, literally had nothing but some worn trainers on their feet, mm. trousers, I think he had uh, a t-shirt and and a jacket that was very inadequate for the winter. That was it. No money. Hadn't eaten for a couple of days. Was really, you know, how on earth. This person had even just bothered going on with life. Uh, you know, it, it does kind of make you wonder sometimes. But the strength is there. And, you know, veterans rarely give up. They have this, this innate kind of strength. And thankfully was picked up by this place. They got in touch with us straight away and said, right, we've got a new resident. Needs clothing, needs food. Um, so we you know, jumped on it straight away. Within 24 hours, I had a big food shop in delivery. of. And it's always a combination of fresh and frozen and covered I was, food I was just going to say to you, stuff. how quick, because you talk about immediate need, yeah. and we've talked about red tape and form yeah. filling and all that kind of stuff. How quickly, if a veteran came to you today to say, or you were notified of somebody that maybe hadn't eaten for a couple of days, so they are in immediate need, how quickly can the veterans charity help them? Today, immediate. Our quickest case was eight minutes. Wow, um, that's that's quite exceptional. But you know, if we've got and we we get them more and more now, sadly. But if we've got a veteran who hasn't eaten for a couple of days, um, then it's it's a takeaway. It's jump on mm-hmm. online, order it. You know, we'll always do a very thorough assessment of their dietary needs. You got to think about some medications can have an impact on on what they can eat and that kind of thing. Um, I actually heard you when you know when we were in the cafe earlier on. Yeah, me and you were sat in the corner. Then there was a group of people which Graham, the owner, wanted to introduce you to, mm, and I think mm. they'd raise some money. Just so happened that you're there, and they'd they'd raise money before. Is that right? Well, they were regular customers at Dotty's Old Town Cafe, and it, Graham does sort of raffles and things. So right. they, they donated. But to I, that, I yeah. heard you when you were talking about food to them that you would some an example of how you would help somebody by getting them food, and you talked about have they got allergies and so there's a lot of mm. thought goes into it it's not a case of just going to a big shop and then send it straight out oh no you've you've, you know, you've got to do it properly you know it's, you, when you're dealing with welfare 
you have to take it seriously and we have lots of parameters that we follow and, and obviously records as i say there is red tape as such paperwork but that's our end mm-hmm. the stuff we we do um and, you know we've got to record it because sometimes it's not a one-off they'll come back sometimes you know you, if someone's in a real dire situation helping them once doesn't do mm-hmm. enough it doesn't cut the mustard so um you know you need to keep records of what we've done but yeah so we'll do a, a thorough assessment on dietary issues and um any family any pets you know they might have a dog now we're not the dog's charity mm-hmm. but for example a dog or a family pet can really be a big help to somebody struggling mm-hmm. um so making sure that they've got stuff to feed the dog the cat whatever um and the kids and that kind of stuff uh, some people don't have children that live with them but they see them at weekends and things like that and we often have cases where a veteran will get in touch because they're due to have the children over this coming weekend whatever it may be and they're actually facing the prospect of cancelling that because they can't afford to feed them there's been a gap in pay or starting a job not going to get paid for a few weeks benefit problems whatever it might be um and the detrimental impact that has on their their mental well-being can be immense Mm. you know if someone said i couldn't see my kids thankfully they live with me and my wife but you know I couldn't. I yeah, can't yeah. imagine facing that. It'd be awful. So if we can flick a switch, almost if you like, put an internet order together, bang, it's delivered the next day. But if it's a veteran who hasn't eaten for a couple of days, it's right, pizza's on its way. You can do it in half an hour, um, and that gets them sorted for today. Mm. And then we can do a food shop. Well, that's coming tomorrow between nine and ten. That's that sorted. That's going to be enough food for a couple of weeks. Um, so they are comprehensive food shops and same with clothing we don't just get them a t-shirt it'll be a few t-shirts it could be a couple of pairs of jeans a pair of tracksuit bottoms a pair of trainers a pair of boots socks underwear uh, winter jacket you know that kind of stuff get them properly sorted and that can deliver quite a long lasting morale boost we know that they're well sorted we never give people money because we can't monitor how it's being used yeah. and without wanting to sound wrong some people will not use money well sometimes that's the reason they're in in stuck not through not necessarily through well, their own fault might, but they're not but they trained. might not they're be not yeah exactly they've not so, known how to deal with it they might not be in the right mental state of mind to use it correctly. absolutely and the last thing we would ever want to do myself or the trustees or any of our volunteers would ever want to do is to is to enable somebody to go and buy a drink or whatever that's going to do nothing but cause more problems yeah. so um, we will always give them provisions because we can then rest assured knowing that they're going to be okay they've got food they're not going to go without they've got the essentials and for case workers that we deal with they can sit back and go right haven't got to think on that let's put some other stuff in place so that's that's where it, it sort of complements and that's why we get hundreds of referrals every year from all sorts of different charities and organizations and um, you know we're very pleased to to be able to do that and it, what we hope is more veterans know about us so that i mean i hope that no veteran ever needs our help that would be lovely well, of course but that's an not realistic world, yeah. and i just hope that anyone out there who is a veteran i hope your life is great but if you do struggle please don't sit there fretting please don't let things manifest and get worse reach out it may be that you don't need our support immediately but it could be that we could be an ally we can help you we can signpost we work with lots of other charities and organizations who might just be able to help with other things and prevent 
that unravelling that I mentioned. You know, you can intervene, and prevention is always better than cure. Sure. Daniel, I don't want to go into too much detail about the actual um, the setup of the Veterans Charity, but all I want to kind of cover with you just quickly is um, there are many, many charities out there, and, you know, there are, you know, people like general day-to-day folks will donate their money to these charities, and a lot of times they don't know where the money goes. We've covered that with you already to say where the money goes. But one of the things you hear about a lot nowadays, and in fact, we were talking about it in, you know, in the cafe just a short while ago, yeah. is about money that kind of is used for other things within the charity. Now, I know charities have their own expenses, mm, mm. but, and without naming a particular charity, because that would be wrong, I know of some big charities where, you know, if you donated, say, a thousand pounds, probably about 120 pounds of that would actually go to where it's needed the rest of it would go on the back end mm, with regards to mm. wages accommodation yeah, uh, yeah. Blah, blah 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 what is it what's different about the veterans charity when it comes to something like that well i don't think we're that different to some charities but you know lots of charities are different so you've got some that do research some that do medical welfare and that kind of thing and they've got to have certain costs you've got to have the right caliber of people you can't do medical provisions without having very highly qualified staff Mm -hmm. and they're they're not free um you know you've got to have certain equipment that kind of thing we are very 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 light on that kind of thing i'm I'm never going to tell anyone that we don't have any admin costs because we do well that'd be crazy you can't get everything for free but we try yeah (laughs) we're not we're not afraid to be cheeky but you know we've got some wonderful support so this vehicle we're sat in for example is partly supported by devonshire motors so um you know that lowers the amount that's a we nice have plug there danny that was. gotta be done <laughs> yeah, yeah i know they'll be happy with that but you know that's that's an example but you know the paper printering all those sorts of things they, they, it all costs money and we can't get it free all the time mm. but we focus very almost ruthlessly at times on keeping our cost to a, a minimum so we don't have any paid for premises at present and we haven't had for three years or so mm-hmm. um you know the day-to-day operations generally are done from my porch it's attached to my house it doesn't cost any extra money and it certainly doesn't cost a charity money because i work by and large from home i mean i'm out and about a lot obviously but um at home we have you know we've got phone and internet and stuff so i've got it anyway so the charity doesn't pay for that mm. you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ask it to so yeah, it, yeah. you know we we are saving money wherever we can because we know and the trustees know that every penny we can put aside and have ready to spend on welfare mm. it's all well and good us sitting here saying oh we can react really quick and we do it in 24 hours or whatever you can't do it if you've got the money no that's right so that's right. that but again that's where donations like yours and and all these amazing people that so kindly gave to it that's where they make a massive difference because it comes in and it goes out mm. the money comes in and we go great you know we we kind of we're not totally hand to mouth as a charity i guess but we certainly don't sit on loads of money it, it's just seen how excited you for were other things. in the when i first mentioned it to you on the phone you know a couple of weeks ago or two three weeks ago now mm. that that's mm. what the intention was to do just to hear and see how genuinely excited you were about that size of donation coming was kind of just really warmed the heart. Do you know what I mean? Because I you know just see that you, well, exactly, I see yeah. where it goes, and it's you know, and I, we get um, we don't have loads of welfare staff. I mean, the welfare generally is done by me, but we do get our volunteers and our Eric Wardnate is involved in the delivery at times, particularly at Christmas. We do a lot of Christmas hampers and mm. stuff, so they get involved in delivering that and. You know, for them, we've got some amazing people on our team who slog their guts out and and collecting, going out with with a bucket and standing there smiling at people all day. 
you're standing still, but I tell you what, that is hard work. Mm. Anyone who's done it, anyone who goes out and supports all these you know, great campaigns will tell you, actually, do that for seven, eight hours a day, you feel it. Mm. It's tough. So they're working hard, and you know they do get to see the end result. And a lot of them are X-Forces themselves. A lot of them know people that we've supported, and they know the impact. One or two of them have been beneficiaries and have then sort of wanted to give something back. And when lives become a bit more stable, they they support the charity and stuff, which is fantastic for us mm. because they're great ambassadors. But they know that the veterans charity is not claiming anything that actually isn't totally genuine we really do get the money in and it really does go out and it does make a massive difference to that end user so i hope people will feel very reassured that yeah they've done something really great because they're supporting you know a great cause the the only reason i'm kind of sat here with you now the only reason that the money everyone raised has gone to the veterans charity and i want to say this now before i forget because you know what i'm going to say now because i know i've got to mention this and for the right reasons absolutely that the reason this has all happened is because of uh, a mutual friend of ours now beverly cooper yeah i want to say a massive thank you to beverly because it was beverly that actually made me aware of you and the charity Mm, because there's only other charities that i'd have been known about because that's what we kind of grow up knowing about Mm. but she He's made me aware, and I've done my research, we've spoken, and I, that is why I was incredibly happy to donate to it. So it's a massive thanks to Beverly, the fact that that money has come towards Absolutely, the charity. Yeah. So I want to get that in. So Beverly, if you're listening, We're very, very lucky you. to have people like Beverly as a, an ambassador. I, I was chatting to her last night, and I kind of did say, you know, we are very proud to, and very lucky to have you as an ambassador. And she's not, that's not an official title kind of thing, but... We are lucky to have people like that, and that's what kind of what the charity depends on. We don't get government funding. We, we rely on generosity of the public. But when we've got people out there who are amazing exponents, who are championing us, um, and, you know, Beverly's father was a veteran. She knows many veterans herself. She's been to Normandy many times. And there's lots of different organisations, and there are lots of great causes out there. But to have someone like that going, do you know what? Get behind the veterans charities. Yeah. They really are awesome. For us, that's... She is, she's it's quite a force to reckon with. Really. For anybody who uh, listened to last week's episode when we had uh, photographer Sue Bryce on the episode, and I kind of described Sue to her. I said she's a force, a focused powerhouse in the world of photography. Amazing. Right, now, right. Beverly, for those who've heard that episode, that is what Beverly is like in the charity world. She is a force, a focused uh, in powerhouse. In the veterans world, absolutely. But, you know, she, she's involved in lots of different projects. And wherever there's... A World War Two veteran in the UK involved in something. Beverly's usually in there yeah. somewhere. Um, but people like that is what helps the support network. And you know, Beverly is um, mutual friends uh, with me with one of our our volunteers, Lisa Middleton, who gets involved in doing various stuff. Now, Lisa's only been to Normandy a couple of times, I think, and it's you know fairly new to that sort of thing. But the passion she's got. And and that's kind of I I'd like to think that's where the veterans charity really has come from, and that's our success I guess is the passion because we've got all sorts of people involved from you know civilians to ex forces to current service personnel, young and old. I mean our volunteer force probably goes from fourteen fifteen years old um, to people in their nineties I guess. Mm. Um, but every single one of them has just massive passion for the charity, for the cause, for helping veterans. And they have lots of different reasons for doing it, whether it's grandparents or they serve themselves or, you know, a friend or whatever. 
Um, and that's the great thing is having that that background. That you know, just that that we can call on. So whenever we have an idea or whenever we have a problem, so we may have a, an event or a fundraising day or something, we need people for it. We can put a shout and go, right, folks, we need some help yeah. with this. Yeah. They rally round. They just and it, it's 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 a, quite a lovely thing for for uh, me to be you know kind of sat in the yeah, yeah. in the office so to speak um <laughs> well talk, talking of the office okay i'm notice <laughs> i'm noticing now that we're starting to get steamy windows <laughs> and people might start to think what's going on in that their vehicle and it's all it's all liveried up with veterans charity right so i want to make sure we, let's might, talk let's might start let's, looking let's, a bit yeah, yeah, it might start looking about, so let's wrap this up but before <laughs> we do just give us a you mentioned normandy yes uh, i'm going to be there i'm really excited about being there for the 75th anniversary in june um just give us a quick overview then. What what's what's going on? What have you got going on? We've there? got a phenomenally special event. Uh, we've still got places on it, so we still want more people taking part. It's called the Run to Pegasus. So the very first thing that happened on D-Day, pretty much the biggest day in modern history uh, for the world, really. Um, the first operation of D-Day was a coup de main, so a surprise assault on two bridges in a tiny little village in uh, Normandy. Those bridges subsequently became known as Pegasus and Horsa bridges. Uh, and there was just 180 men tasked with seizing those two bridges intact. All the other bridges in Normandy were pretty much designated to be destroyed, uh, apart from these two, because they held a, they spanned a vital road inland, and that's the troops arriving on the beaches would be using that to get in. So it was an absolutely vital operation, but it was also, it was, it was kind of tasked as, or, stated as being a bit of a suicide operation because the chances of success were really slim and they even planned this has always amazed me they actually the organizers actually planned and expected 50 percent casualties that's 90 men 180 men going 90 of them they expected not to come out or to be able to carry on afterwards which is staggering i think really so they landed in six gliders they were horse gliders which are made of or they were made of plywood uh, and canvas painted stretched canvas and there is a full-size replica at the, the brilliant museum over there the museum uh, memorial pegasus museum and they've got a, a full-size replica horse made of exactly the same I material can't wait to see that. yeah it was unveiled in 2004 and it's it's huge massive but you can go up and you touch the sides of it and it really is canvas and you know, the first time I touched it, I thought, I've broken it. <laughs> and they hit the ground at close to 100 miles an hour in this thing, with 30 men in each one, massively overloaded. And, you, you know, when you actually see this, you think, you can't have survived. None of you, how the hell did you, you know, how did any man get out? But most of them, there was a couple of injuries, but generally speaking, they all got out. Mm. Only through sheer skill of the, the, the pilots, really. Um, so they had to take these two bridges. They had no real idea of what enemy force there was. They they knew there were Germans there, um, and they could only guesstimate from intelligence sort of aerial photographs and stuff. But there were defences there. There was machine gun pits and and that kind of thing. There were trench systems. Um, so they expected a pretty tough old battle. And then of course the counter attacks and all that kind of stuff. It was it was an unbelievable operation, and they. <laughs> they captured both bridges intact completely safely in under 10 minutes which is it's a Incredible. ludicrous yeah. achievement it's it's something quite staggering and i i've been very lucky as i said over the years to to know get to know a lot of the, the guys that were on that operation 
heartbreakingly, there are none left as far as we know. Um, we believe that the, the last remaining one that we knew of had passed away actually about two weeks ago. And so it, 10 years ago, the charity created the memorial that now sits next to the original Pegasus Bridge, lists the names of every man on there, including the pilots of the tug planes, the RAF pilots yeah, yeah. who flew the tug plane. So, um, so what we're doing is we're doing this run to Pegasus. So we're going to got these amazing sponsored runners who are going to run from Tarrant Rushton Airfield, which is now a, a farm uh, in rural in Dorset. The UK, yeah. In the UK, in Dorset. They're going to run uh, on the 4th of June. They start at 6pm. They're going to run through the night, down through rural Dorset, through the New Forest, uh, into the next day, down into Southampton, along sort of the, the dock area of Southampton, into Fareham, and then down into Portsmouth. Then get on a ferry from Portsmouth Ferry Terminal and jog on the spot across the ferry. Uh, <laughs> sleep, I would think, more than likely, and seize up a bit. But yes, that, I mean that's you know kind of a bit of the challenge as well. Uh, on a ferry, they go across to Weestrom uh, Ferry Port, and we form up there. They then go up the Carn Canal towpath up to arrive on Pegasus Bridge wow. on the morning of D-Day, seventy-five years on from uh, when it all happened. Uh, and they get onto Pegasus Bridge, should be about 11.30 in the morning, form up uh, there, and then shortly after that we're going to transport them over to the River Deves, which is about 10 miles away, to a bridge where actually number four glider landed, and they've been towed off course. And Unfortunately, when you unhook a glider, it's only going one way. Mm. There's no engine to keep going and get mm. back up or go anywhere else. So they were tasked with, they, they had to, they trained to look for two bodies of water spanned by a single road and obviously a bridge on each one and that's what the pilots saw when they look out amazingly there is a place over there it's actually in layout very similar to uh Benouville and, and romville and, and pegasus bridge area um but they very rapidly realized it wasn't right but too late mm. so they went down and they took the bridge anyway so they actually took three bridges on that day not two but 22 platoon who were on that fourth glider landed amongst Germans, almost instantly came under fire. Um, we believe four were killed. Uh, some were injured, including a, a guy who became a very good friend of ours, Titch uh, Rayner. Um, and they just went through sheer hell. It took them 22 hours to cover seven miles because every hedgerow, every village, every junction, there was, there was enemy troops. And they really went through it. They picked up various sort of uh, lost... Uh, paratroopers who, who sort of you know scattered as they came down. Um, I think a couple of downed RAF pilots they found, and sort of you know picked up various stragglers and waifs and strays along the way. Um, and they never actually reached their objective because by the time they got through to Romville, mm. their comrades had, had kind of made their way further in. So, uh, and having been relieved by Lord Lovett's commandos and seven para. Um, so they all met up in Romville and, and kind of carried on their uh, their task. So we're going to be paying tribute to them because at that bridge on the River Deve, there's nothing marking it. And, you know, it's very much part of D-Day, very yeah, much yeah. part of it. So we're going to unveil a plaque on the bridge there and then we're going to follow their route. So we're going to march actually 10 miles back to Pegasus Bridge to the memorial that we created. So we'll arrive there on the evening of D-Day. Um, having to see covered 75 miles on the 75th anniversary. So That's going to be brilliant. It's going to be very special. We we want 186 participants because we want to replicate the number of men, including the tug pilots. Um, 
so we still have lots of spaces. We've got a lot of serving personnel. We've got relatives of the men who were on it. That's going to be quite special. Um, a lot of serving personnel, a lot of veterans, and people with a, some really inspiring, amazing stories. But it's it's going to be emotional. No well, this yet. leads really well. Then you say you know spaces for a few more there. Mm. So where um, where can people go to find out about this? What's the web address and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, if they go to our website, which is uh, veteranscharity.org.uk. Um, and you'll see under the uh, events listing, you'll see Run to Pegasus. Uh, jump on that. There's you know, lots of info there about the uh, about the event, and you just click on the register button, and that will take you to uh, the site to to register for a place. You can, if 75 miles within 30 hours, I suppose, is um, is a bit much. We've opened it up to relay teams as well. So if people want to come in and do, say, 20 miles each or something like that, you'd need to be a kind of a self-supporting team if you like to have probably need a vehicle to drop off and pick up from various points but it's about having people we want to replicate the number of the kudama group going on to pegasus bridge that's the visual thing that's well, the, I, well i reckon that's the tribute i reckon we've got some pretty fit photographers and designers out there listening great so i reckon we'll get some numbers signing up bring, bring your cameras <laughs> as well because there'll be plenty of great things to photo fantastic but yeah we you know the more the merrier we we really want to make this a very very special event brilliant well i can't wait to be there but danny the windows are getting steamier <laughs> best we end this up but uh All right. brilliant thanks so much for your time thanks lynn